Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. <laughs> how are you doing, Trey? I think about that now. <laughs> I think about now, like, of how to do it differently each time. And so, like, there was a hesitation there. I was like, okay, what am I to do this time? But wait, we're already on, so just, just get it over with and say your name. <laughs> What's so funny to me is we were just talking about, like, literally, right before we did the hello and welcome back to you was the wanting to do different things for the intro. Yeah. What am I talking about? I already have you. <laughs> <laughs> Each week's a new Jude. Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the multiverse of Judes. Oh, I'm now thinking of, because we have an infinite amount of merch ideas that we never <laughs> will get to, but I love the idea of like a grab bag of some vocal representation of your Jude intros. So every time you buy one, you don't know which one you're getting. It's just a <laughs> sticker with that little Spotify thing and each one's different. The QR? Yeah. And it's like each one's different. <gasps> Like each one, like it's a randomized, like we just get you in the booth and record different. I'm Jude. I'm Jude. I'm Jude. Yes. And it's like, you don't know which way you don't know which you're going to get. get. <laughs> you got to collect them all. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like Pokemon. <laughs> oh man. I know. Right. You do that. That would be great. Did I tell you about my tattoo idea? Then we'll wait for them. No. Well, you told, well, I think you brought this up on podcast where you asked if you could get a MCU need to know related one. Yeah. I talked about that, but lately I've been thinking it'd be funny if I get like a QR code, right. That goes uh-huh. to like a website that just says like white blank, white website and black text made you look. That's so good. I kind of hope you do that, dude. I'm just going to say it. I'm so excited about this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So do you want to just go ahead and jump right into it? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about season one, episode six of Miss Marvel titled No Normal. The way we're going to handle this is we're going to get some pre-spoiler thoughts followed by an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone to discuss the episode in full details. So before we get there, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode of Miss Marvel? My first pre-spoiler thought, and I don't think I actually sent it to you was uh-huh i'm ready to get into the spoiler zone <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> like like I, I was ready to, to to like okay let's talk about this let's let's go um yeah like i i will say this any, any of the re- any of the reservations i had when we talked about last last pod they just kind of faded away very quickly and i really enjoyed it i had never i think i've already said this this year too i've never been happier to be wrong mm-hmm. because i and I promise I'm not going to turn this into like bashing on anything after last week's episode of Miss Marvel and after not really digging Love and Thunder, I was just kind of bummed with the MCU. And if you listen to last week's episode of our Miss Marvel coverage, you can tell the moment where we're like super in love with the episode and then the moment we're like, all right, well, here comes the Marvel thing. And like you said, almost immediately that faded away. Mm-hmm. I think the secret to this episode is that there's definitely a lot of seriousness at stake, but it never lost that lighthearted charm that I think this show started with. And we had that detour to Pakistan because we delved further into the history of the family, which is incredibly vital. But to have it come back the way it did, especially in those opening scenes, it cemented how great this season has been for Miss Marvel. Oh, yeah. Well, then I said, I was worried that they 
wrapped up the main theme with another episode left. I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do? But they were able, I want to say, I'll say this, because we're still in the, the pre-spoiler thoughts, that I feel like they were able to take that nice wrap-up of that theme, and then true story circle heroes journey fashion, bring it home, and extend that, you know, to, to see that next step, and what's the, the ramifications of that. And that was, that was really good. It is, without a doubt, the biggest flex of this creative team like i thought i was on that same loop with you i thought we were done with all the thematic resonance last week but they somehow tied the marvel formula of like okay here's your big battle but still paid off so many of the things that we have been highlighting all season Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's gonna wrap up our pre-spoiler thoughts but before we get into the spoiler zone i did want to go ahead and say here at the top Uh, Those of you who watch this episode know that this episode came with a bit of a warning that let people know that some of the imagery in this episode may be disturbing given recent events. I thought it was important here at the top of the show to let that be known as well, uh, just so it doesn't sound tone deaf when we're talking about the contents of the episode. We recognize the real world events going on right now, um, and it's it's unfortunate timing because obviously this show was filmed before any of these events happen. And it's just one of those coincidences that I'm glad they had that warning for at the top of the episode. I want to add, I guess, one thing to that, which is, I guess this is the third thing we've had, not in the MCU, but in the media and and stuff that I've watched that's had to have some kind of warning. The Kenobi, uh, Stranger Things season four in this and... And I find that interesting just because there is an element of, you know, and I I talk about this with my students and one of the things I love about media and why it's so, for me, so easy to put it into the classroom is you have, you can trace this whole life imitating art, art imitating life kind of thing. But when something like that happens and it just, the, the the creative imagination trying to to show you something to make you as an audience feel something but then it actually happens you know and those worlds truly collide it's it's tough and it's um and kind of tired of it (laughs) to be honest (laughs) yeah (sighs) well again like i said thankful for the warning i think it's the recency of uvaldi and the slow roll of the information that's been coming out of that incident that uh, it felt very appropriate to have this warning at the top. But shifting back to the way we normally handle this, you're going to hear an audio cue and that'll take us to the spoiler zone where it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU except Thor Love and Thunder. So we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. The way we're going to handle this is we're going to break this down into four most important topics. We have Deaver's Damage, After School Activities, No Normal, and Miss Marvel. So starting with the first one, Deaver's Damage, this is going to allow us to really zone in on almost Deaver's vendetta against superpowered individuals, the culmination of all the ways this show has been pointing out, the profiling of the mosque and Muslims, as well as the repercussions of her defiance against Agent Cleary. So, Jude, starting with you, where would you like to start? Did I miss something? What'd you miss? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm asking, because, like, 
<laughs> well, I, I mean, Devers had to have known, Agent Devers had to have known that disobeying that order w- would get her fired. Like, even if she was successful, right? And I'm defining success here as capturing both enhanced individuals with no damage or collateral anything, right? And you get them into custody. You still disobeyed a clear order. And so she had to clearly have known and accepted those consequences. Outside of just, that's how you're supposed to read the character, I don't think we saw anything... That, like, for her, that would have pushed her to that kind of vendetta. Like, a willingness to do that, risk job, risk, just to get these two individuals. I think it's something that they have been really dropping seeds throughout the entire season. Because, I mean, we talked about it in that first interaction where she storms the mosque without taking her shoes. Uh, You see it in that first interrogation scene where she's very quick to start throwing out just sort of stereotypical, um, oh man, I wish I could remember exactly what she was saying, but th- that was part of who she was. She was the, I think we even called it the bad cop, good cop routine, where she was clearly playing that very mm-hmm. aggressive aggro persona. Mm-hmm. Now, to answer your question, by the time we get to this particular episode, I think where that doesn't stand out to me is it's that trope, right, of that cop who doesn't play by the rules and I'm just one success away from having it all rewarded, but we're seeing the pitfall of not only did she not succeed, she caused so much damage and put these people in risk. And so it's like, no, there's no reward here. You're losing your job. But I think you can almost see the rationalization of like, if I can just prove that I'm right and get these people in, it would be a different story for her. So I don't think she's like thinking like, this is worth losing my job over. I think it's the like, just being within grasp that's tantalizing enough to disobey orders. Okay. No, and that and that's fair. I mean that's fair, but it's just it's one of those things where where and again, I feel like I'm nitpicking. Like I like I'm looking at a show and I'm like, where's the backstory to this character? <laughs> you know? Like like from what they showed us and her showing up in the mosque and those types of things and even some of the lines of like don't give me any of your Quranic stuff. And he's like, this is Abraham Lincoln, which I loved that exchange. And I couldn't tell if they were trying to set her up as prejudiced racist or. Oh, yeah. Well, well, no, 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 no. I get, I mean, yeah, but like, but like, was it that just like, just like in my head, I keep thinking is like, okay, so what happened to her? Did she lose somebody in the battle of new york did something happen with the blip like 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 there's this clear like here's enhanced individuals i'm going after them or is it just simply trying to tap into a stereotype that is born out of or that you see in media after say 9-11 you know um and, and that's where i was like i couldn't figure out like what would motivate her to to disobey the order like that you know i'm glad she did because we got the ending that we got but (laughs) but but, you know what i mean but it was it was just like like i i couldn't tell which was it was it just simply oh you're prejudiced racist or is it like there's other things that that happened that we didn't see um because otherwise it just didn't make sense to me why you'd make that decision 
I think another line that stood out to me that I didn't catch until the second time, but at the very beginning, I mean, it's the opening statement where they're walking away from the convenience store and she has the line, this is what happens when the wrong people get powers. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's not unintentional. Right. And the thing right. that I think really sells it is her coworker says, what do you mean wrong people? And she's immediately kids. So it, to me, that's that implied, there's that feeling about her if that's the first place that coworker went to. Right. So I think, I think it could be both. I think there is prejudice that is built in with them. And as well as that, we need to stop enhanced individuals. I mean, because that's been the subtext of the X-Men, right? Is the, the forced pursuit of these people who are different, whether it be through race issues, identity issues, whatever. That was like the heart of what those stories were, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And so I, to me, that is just the melding of the two here because this anti-superhero sentiment is not something that was set up, I think, until phase four. Because we, ta- we highlighted it in WandaVision for sure. Yeah. That was where it stood out to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, if you haven't read yet... Oh, what is it by Claremont? Like, I think it's like man kills, God loves or something like that storyline. Like it is right there in your face, you know? And what is that? Uh, I'm going to look it up just to make sure. Uh, man kills, God loves. Yeah. Man kills, God loves. It's an X-Men storyline. Chris Claremont. There we go. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, we're talking Miss Marvel. I don't understand why you're bringing up the X-Men. It just feels. You know, I, I've been trying to pull back on making grand allusions to what's coming up down the road about, okay. you know, which heroes are going to pop up here and okay. whatnot. So let's just, let's stay focused. Like I learned my lesson with WandaVision. I kept saying the X-Men are coming. The X-Men are coming. <laughs> the X-Men are coming. Like, and, and I've, I've learned my lesson. Like, I don't, I don't understand what you're doing now. How frustrating would it be as a listener if we've spent all that time building up any small illusion and the final big neon sign in our face and we're like, no, nah, we're going to win. All right. I only, I'm only going to do this because I feel comfortable knowing them well enough. I'm going to call out JB. They were in the Discord and they're like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the X-Men yet. I'm still holding out. They might be inhumans. And I'm like, dude... <laughs> It was the theme song. <laughs> I know. It's the theme song. They have, they're going to show up at San Diego Comic-Con to talk about animated stuff. And we know a continuation of the X-Men from the 90s is coming. And, oh my. All right. We're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> is there anything else we want to talk about in this? Uh, well, I know there's one thing that I want to talk about in this Deaver's Damage. Uh, I highlighted it back in... I think it was episode three where they had their first like blatant attack before Kamala was saved by Najma and Kamaran. I was wondering how that was going to tie into Armored Wars, if at all, because Department of Damage Control, I believe, was something that was set up by Tony Stark in either Homecoming or one or Avengers Age of Ultron. Homecoming. I remember that. Homecoming. Homecoming. Okay. Well, okay. So Homecoming, but that was the right after the Battle of New York. Right. And, and yeah, okay. Yeah, timelines are weird. Regardless, this is a Tony Stark-funded program, I believe. And if they were openly attacking people like this, I thought that would be fertile ground for Armor Wars to explore since that's all about the Tony Stark legacy. Now that they've made this distinction of like, uh-uh, Deaver is somebody who is acting of their own accord. Agent Cleary specifically says, you were disobeying orders in public using our name 
was a very important distinction. So I don't know if they're going to continue through that that through line. Um, but even though it kind of refutes what I was setting up in episode three, it makes me even that much more excited for Armor Wars on the off chance that does become center focus. Mm-hmm. Let's get let's let's get back on topic here, because because that whole R name, I can go way down a rabbit hole of speculation with the X-Men. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like that episode of Moon Knight where I should have put the big thing at the top. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we can go ahead and move into the next most important topic, which is after school activities. This is going to allow us to really highlight the section where Kamala's catching up with Bruno and Kamaran as they're trying to escape the Department of Damage Control all the way through their planning phase of staving off their attempts to take Kamaran through the high school. So starting with me, I was so happy to see the visualizations come back for Kamala. Like once they got to the school and she was like, all right, here's the plan. I appreciate the lens that you gave me whenever we talked about it, I believe, in episode four and how that's not something that just turns off. Mm -hmm. Even though I get that, there was something about that like pause in between that made it hit that much harder when we came back to it. And I think that's part of the feeling I had in the pre-spoiler thought of like the consequences are dire here. They are being chased by this completely regimented and outfitted team that's going to stop them easily, but they still have that goofy side of Kamala and her friends holding off that attack. So I, I, I loved seeing that make its appearance. Yeah. No. And I loved it. And they were able, and the the same thing of like, so we're going to stop them with softballs, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's just like elaborate plan. And you're like, so we're just doing this. Okay. (laughs) Oh, and dude, and Amir showing up and Kamala being like, superheroes don't have chaperones. And he's just like, deal with it. That was, he, he, that was great. He slotted in so perfectly, especially knowing how towards the end of the episode, we see that he's like, Hey, Bruno, do you think I might have powers as well? <laughs> oh, you know, awesome. you know, you're a younger brother. Uh-huh. You find out your sibling has uh, powers all of a sudden. You're going to be asking. He's like, well, wait a minute. How come I what, didn't what, get what about, what about me? <laughs> you know, it's okay. I would, I'd do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, for sure, I'd be jealous. Uh, I did like that Zoe makes a comeback and at first i was like okay this feels a little convenient why would zoe be here the fact that the theater room has good lighting for her tiktoks i thought was such a nice (laughs) touch both in the terms of like it plays into the the stereotype of like oh it's this high school kid they're playing with online social media stuff but she has still a a character moment of like hey i i want to be in here and fight for you so like it was it was cool to see that it wasn't just like a shallow depiction of who she was. There was depth to her and she got to shine here too. Well, I was going to say what they were able to do with her in that turnaround was really good because in the beginning you're looking at her for me looking at her and I'm thinking flash Thompson, right? And that bully kind of, and especially I'm thinking of the MCU flash Thompson where it's like that try to be that media star right especially when you get into far from home and he's an influence trying to be an influencer and stuff loves spider-man doesn't like peter and <laughs> you know and, and and that and all of a sudden to find out is like oh you are you know 
Um, and so I kind of thought they were doing that with her, but, but the turn that she had, uh, I really liked. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful what they were able to do with like four or five scenes that Zoe appears in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that got resolution. Um, Nakia as well. There, this is where I wish I found myself colliding again, even though this I think is the best Disney plus series. I found myself coming up against the whole like six episode limit. I would have liked to have seen more reconciliation with Nakia, but as much as they were tackling, I, that quick conversation was, was good enough for me, mm-hmm. especially the, I think the thing that caught me off guard was Kamala coming in with like, Oh, and you hate superheroes. I don't remember that ever being an issue outside of Nakia just being upset with quote unquote light girl specifically. Right. Um, so that, that would have added to that tension of like, Oh, the best friend doesn't know. And the best friend's not fond of these superheroes, but yeah, they were able to save it. I think because they go back and forth in their conversation of trying to explain it away. And the Kamala just stops and is like, I'm sorry, I messed up and they forgive each other and move on. I think that's why it works so well for me is you have this portrayal of friendship of, yes, you're going to make each other mad, but the, the, the friendship when it's in the friendship, the relationship, whatever, when it's important to you, it's going to survive that. And, you know, and they got right to it. It was like, Hey, are you mad at me? Well, I tell you everything. Like, like it was quick, but it it wasn't like any beating around the bush. It was still very open. It was like, hey, you, you know, that for me, I think is what made it work so well. Mm-hmm. You know, I I really like what they did with Bruno here at the end, especially. Okay, so I didn't. I don't say I didn't like, but there was this element of I'm not a fan of this whole term, the friend zone. I personally the. That is dumb. The friend zone doesn't exist. There's, there's, I just, I don't like that. Um, and so I was really nervous of like, is that the way they're going to go? But, but the way they treated Bruno, especially with the, the, the Caltech thing, but even here and, and, you know, clearly like there's interest, but she is, he's seeing interest in elsewhere, but like this, this we're, we're friends first. You know, and so I really liked the way they handled Bruno's character in in that sense of like, we're friends first. I'm still going to do, you know, I want what's best for you. And if that means this and I don't get to be with you, fine, you know, and and that kind of acceptance that we saw from Bruno's side through through this last episode was I really, really liked, you know, because uh, it didn't make me feel like the, we're watching him in the friend zone, so to speak, or or portraying a friend zone. Um, and I personally find that silly. Yeah, and I because I remember the first time you brought that up, that was the the thing I said that Bruno's allowed to be jealous. Like that's why I don't like describing it as the friend zone because this, in turn shows a healthier acceptance of like rejection. And I think that's important Mm -hmm. because if it's like, if it's not the quote unquote way it would be handled among kids, this is a good example of like, okay, you know, uh, that sucks. He clearly (laughs) is taken aback and is hurt by it. 
but he still knows like he's trying to protect his friend. So I, I'm with you. I was nervous when they set up this 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 love triangle in the beginning episodes, but I think they nailed that gracefully here at the oh, end. Oh yeah, and especially with the way like Cameron right as he's leaving, like he he puts his hand on his shoulder and there's kind of like this unspoken like I get it, and they're like yeah, don't mention it. Go on, I got you. And he you know continues on with the plan there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was that was a great way for them to stick that. Well, and when when he left, they made they made the he they made it a point for him to say his name, Bruno, you know, and not just that he learned it, but he actually intentionally said it right there at the end. I'm glad you brought up Bruno, though, because one of my last notes, I think, for this section is another example of how this episode balanced the the silliness with the dire consequences. I loved how. Bruno's a champ because he handled that realization, that rejection, and immediately is like, hey, check out my dance moves because he was like trying to go for the distraction <laughs> technique. And I was like, man, Bruno's great. I love this guy. And then the Department of Damage Control like slaps him with his gun or just beats him with the butt of the gun. I was going to say, slaps is is kind of light. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's putting it lightly. Uh, and then pushes him up against the window. Like that went from like, me laughing and smiling like, oh, I love this show. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it just really focused what the consequences were here. Yeah. So I loved how it was able to, like, not beat you over the head with how, not dark, but, like, how serious it was while still being yeah. the levity that we were Oh, yeah. To. I mean, that's the job for the Department of Damage Control, <laughs> to beat you over the head. Yeah. Like, that's just, <laughs> I mean. That's dark. <laughs> I mean, it was the butt of that gun right to his face. Like there was no like, get down, get down. It was just immediately like he's dancing. Like he's not <laughs> anyways. And if they weren't using lethal, I really want to know what is lethal for those weapons. Cause those things were like breaking walls. <laughs> like, you know what it reminds me of the, uh, the weapons that they used in the incredible Hulk to slow him down mm. when he was at the, uh, that university. Mm. It sounds, it feels like they miniaturized it. You know what? Man, that's interesting. Okay. Like, I, I wonder if that was intentional. Yeah. Especially with She-Hulk around the corner. And we've already seen there's somewhat of a connection. With She-Hulk around the corner, but we also know Abomination, Emil Blonsky. So he would be familiar with those type of weapons. Yeah. Uh, like, clearly, you know, uh, General Ross isn't going to be there. Um, I don't expect him to recast. General Ross with William Hurt passing away, but that doesn't mean like the legacy or what General Ross leaves behind wouldn't be used. And it's not the first time we've seen tech continue to be iterative throughout the MCU. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, that's that'd be cool. I, I'm curious if, if that's if that was intentional. I want to go look that up. If if only the Incredible Hulk was on Disney Plus, so I could just easily pick it up. <laughs> Well, I have learned about a new handy-dandy thing called Just Watch. <laughs> you gave me such a hard time about. Uh, I didn't give you a hard time about. I just thought it was just Google. <laughs> it's not hard to ask where stuff is streaming. Well, good thing I own it, but okay. <laughs> really? It's on HBO Max? Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, there you have it. Bring up HBO Max and see if the Incredible Hulk uses the same tech. <laughs> Let us know. At MC, you need to know. Well, it feels like we're getting ready to move into the next section, which is called No Normal. 
This is really going to start where the group deviates to Kamala and Kamaran as the tension rises when Kamaran starts to ask about his mother. This all culminates to the confrontation out in front of the school where Kamala has her embiggen moment and the community gets involved as well. Jude, where would you like to start within this section? I like the name of the section and the name of the episode. Just the whole, because you... I'm very familiar with and 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 here and even you sometimes the term new normal, you know, and the idea of just no normal, you know, and for them, you know, to have that conversation of, you know, and and not just to the end, but like that the conversation from start to there to see him wrestle with, I mean, because if you think about Comron, uh, he had like this whole like like his arc for the series, but an arc within this last episode of getting his powers kind of wrestling with it coming to terms of why he even got it and you kind of understand the feeling and and, and the rage of of you get that information and you're being hunted you know and and Kamala's right there is no normal anymore you know um and and so that was something that I really enjoyed between the two of them is how they were able to give him you know it's like a little miniature arc there with within one episode to cap off you know the entire series yeah just to, to fully quote the line kamala says there's no normal there's just us and what we do with what we've been given mm-hmm. and as much as i love this series i think antagonist is the weakest point uh we already talked about the clandestines and how that kind of felt a little rushed and fumbled at least for me uh, Department of Damage Control, I think you highlighted some, like, I don't want to say necessarily out of left field, but that quick ramp up of Deaver's actions within this episode. And then again here with Comeron, although for me, I think I'm on that same limb with you and want to go to bat for it in this being its own little mini arc. But I, I'm glad you illustrated the way you did because I saw it from the other perspective where this is... <laughs> Or I guess a better way to put it, whenever we did the villains episode, I talked about one of my favorite uses of a villain is to be the problem that the protagonist has to face. And so even though it was a bit of a rush to have Kamran gain these powers, the fact that he was dealing with that and feeling this isolation and not like and feeling like he couldn't be a part of anything, especially after the actions he took that day, I thought visually seeing him have that outburst at the end before Kamala encapsulates them in her powers and seeing the way that he almost takes out the community with that Humvee that Kamala has to cap catch. And then again, whenever his powers are outstretching for him and we see Bruno and the rest of them that are being detained in the car, having to like lean back away from the, the ragged edges of the powers. That is the extreme I, I'm laughing because I know this is just curtains or just blue talk a little bit, but that is the extreme conversation that we were having of Kamala having to deal with those ramifications of what it meant to pursue these powers right. of how this was going to affect the people around her. And so to have that visually with Kamaran actually doing that, and it's Kamala who's the one who has to wade into that and really talk him down with the things that she's learned. I loved it. Like this is this is the kind of stuff I love. Maybe it could be argued that it's like, formulaic to the story circle but the thing that i think makes it special is it's been so earned all the detours that we've taken oh yeah of kamala's journeys and the lessons that she learned brought us to this point and she gets to demonstrate it and that 
is the angle that I appreciated from, even if Cameron didn't feel the most flushed out. Yeah. He felt like it served the, the story's purpose. Yeah. Well, okay. So a couple of things you said there. Yes, it was hundred percent earned right there with you. The other thing is you said the, the mentioned kind of the, it's formulaic to the story circle or journey and stuff. I don't mind the formula because when it's like, like there's a reason why the hero's journey and the story circle, whatever you want to call it works. And it goes back to it over and over again, you know, and when it's done right and done well, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, everything's going to be okay in the ending in a show like this. But it's still really satisfying when they do it right and do it well and it's paid off. And and I think that's what we're seeing here. And it really hit me too because maybe I'm holding it to too high of a standard, although I'll reveal this later. Like we talked about the way Shang-Chi handled action and how there was story imbued with the action that was happening. As much as I love this, being honest, the action isn't that exciting. I think the thing that this show nailed is that because they put in the work with the story, the action then became the canvas for you to imprint the themes that they had been exploring. And that's where I think it succeeds in this moment with Kamran and Kamala. Because even though it's like, okay, a lot of CGI, a lot of that flashing lights, I was still able to bring in what they had taught me to that moment. And I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, you're right. The action itself wasn't very... Of that moment. There is some exciting action in the episode. I just want to be clear on my part. But that, like, it's the CGI fest of the flashing lights. Kind of but thing. I'd say that, I would even say that of, like, even when you get to the CGI fest, you know, it still wasn't, and who knows, maybe it's, it's just how well done it was. I, it still didn't feel like it was over the top to me. You know, it didn't feel like, oh, here's your grand thing we got to do. You know, it, it just... It, it made sense. It felt right. Um, and just, we brought up CGI for as much um, as Marvel and the CGI or the MCU and CGI has been up, you know, been brought up uh, recently um, in terms of treatment of visual effects artists and pay. And, you know, people saying that we've seen a, a the CGI not being as good as it was. I have to go back to that first episode. I was nervous about the CGI and that one moment and how it looked. I was perfectly fine with this. It didn't bother me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I was trying to like clarify it being that moment is because eventually I figured we were to get to this shortly after that. No, actually it was before that moment. Um, I thought the embiggened version of Kamala looked really good. Like there was all this cock, I think about maybe the reason they changed the powers is because it's so hard to give that stretchy look, which is iconic of the character in the comics. And yeah, this is out of the spoiler zone. I can talk about this. In Multiverse of Madness, we see Mr. Fantastic and the visual display of his stretchy powers, but they kept it to a minimal there. And even then, it didn't look bad, but it looked weird to me. Kamala doing the Ambigan looked perfectly in step with a lot of the other depictions of powers in the MCU when it comes to like beyond mm -hmm. real life depictions. And I, I was impressed by that a lot. It made me wonder it. Okay. I'm with you. It made me wonder it. it I was fine with it. It looked, it looked good. Whereas like multiverse of man. I know 
Sorry, everyone listening. Um, although I think people would agree with me on this. Multiverse of Madness showing Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards abilities, you know, the, the stretchiness, it looked goofy and a little silly. But I think that was kind of the point, you know, you know, I mean, that what Raimi was going for. And it did make me wonder of like, okay, so if this is relatively the same power and it looked so good, was there an element? I, I wonder how much the visuals of uh, Reed Richards here influenced what they did with Kamala or vice versa. Like, you know, because it is very similar and what they wanted, you know, and to make it look different. Um, and and w- if and what those conversations would it were. Right. Because keep in mind, Miss Marvel was delayed. This was originally supposed to come out at the end of last year. So there is potential one or the other could have been in post-production production at the same time or just after or whatnot. Um, but it, it does feel like we're, they're kind of in that exploration phase of trying to nail the look of stretchy powers. And I wonder how much of Kamala's case, the chrysalis gives that structure that doesn't feel so loose and flimsy like uh, Mr. Fantastic is that much of the difference maker of like why it doesn't look uncanny-ish to me. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I, I'm really pleased with the way that... And it's such a great moment too because again, Embiggen is a thing that happens in the comics and I didn't know if it was going to come into play here and the fact that it did at the hero moment to like take out that huge sonic wave thing on the truck... And the music swelling and Kamala, like, having to look over to Kamaran before she does it. It's, oh, it's so good. Oh, man. Yeah. I, that was also something else. I'm glad that they left out. Like, they didn't call it the Embiggen or, like, she didn't say that, which you see that in the, the comic and, and stuff. And it just kind of happened. Um, yeah, man, this was truly, I think, I think that was a really good way to, to portray it with that little crystal chrysalis thing you were mentioning because i think with um reed richards coming down the line um can i do a side note here did you see the rumor yeah did you see the rumor about fantastic Four? i did but i would warn i would warn because apparently that's a leak really so i don't know if that's something we want to like highlight Uh, well we can keep this in the episode for the curious it shouldn't be too hard to go find (laughs) right Basically, it has to do with um, directors of Fantastic Four uh, potential. But having said that, like... Oh, okay. We're on two different things okay. then. I don't think you can spoil a director. Well, the, the rumor was that, that I saw was that uh, Marvel Studios was courting Steven Spielberg to direct the Fantastic Four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now... And, and I only bring that up because I, what you're saying again with the chrysalis, that's also a good way to distinguish what Kamala does versus Reed Richards, which, which we know the Fantastic Four are coming. Right. The last thing that I want to bring up that I'll admit I'm a sucker for, but it is 100% the thing that got me crying the most. This episode really exemplified bringing in that community to help along with the superhero. And that reminds me so much of the spider-man raimi films like we've talked about it before you mess with one of us you mess with all of us uh the scene in the subway or not the subway the scene on the train in spider-man 2 where they're like oh he's just a kid and they ended up protecting him i love when the community gets involved because to me 
that is the heart of the superhero stories. They are designed to inspire, to offer that ability for others to chip in and help in the ways that they can. And so the fact that, and really, I, we didn't highlight, we highlighted a little bit, but I didn't really put it together till now. Zoe is the reason they're all there because of her social media reach. The fact that they're, they're rooting along and then being the, I mean, the bodies to protect Kamala from the Department of Damage Control before she takes off and, and leaves the scene is wonderful. And the lead up to that is even before any of the school stuff, Whenever Kamala is rushing to meet up with Bruno and Kamaran, you have the shots of her like high stepping on the hard light through the city. And it conveys such a wonderful relationship between the hero and the city that I, I feel like, and it's not a, a nitpick of the movies or the shows, but it's just like everything's been so grand scale that we really haven't seen a true hero rooted in a location location that having that moment really builds to when they come to help out here at this school fight. I think one of the things that helped that tying Kamala to that location was actually what they did in the end when you were, when, when you had the screen, you know, kind of split into thirds and you were seeing the social media response from the community, you know, and it was characters that we had seen throughout and they've had some kind of dialogue. Um, and again, Raimi did that. Remember, you know, I mean, you had that at the end of Avengers, right? Or the news and, oh, look at the heroes. But Raimi did, had a little version of like that at one point, you know, um, with Spider-Man. I think there was moments like where they were talking straight to the camera, yeah. right? The just random yeah, citizens. Yeah. So he had that as well, but this was different because... Um, a, we're familiar with the social media style and it, and it had that, you know, like we were looking at the phone, but it was also giving us characters we'd seen in that community and we were familiar with in one way or the other. And so that I think even more so helped tie it to the community than just, oh, you're just a random citizen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The fact that Ruby had a TikTok and was sort of like Ruby investigates well, had me laughing. Well, even if I knew, I'm not going to tell you here. <laughs> <laughs> That's good social media. Work. I know, right? <laughs> and you know she knows. You're you're not a member of the Illuminantes and not know. Right? That's that's like a Illuminati <laughs> My privilege. My favorite was the Sheikh Abdullah turning into the hot dog. He's like, oh, I guess I'm a hot dog yes. now. And then he just has the biggest <laughs> hearty laugh and smile at the end. <laughs> that was good. Oh, man. the uh, Such great work. I'm always a sucker for whenever they can tie in the community as well. But, Jude, I feel like we've been building up to this. This is also the section where we can talk about the big revelation. We've got our first mutant in the MCU. Thoughts? Yes. Embrace it, people. Embrace <laughs> it. Well I, well, I know. I mean, like, okay, so if, you've, if you're if you a fan of the comic, then she's not a mutant. She's an inhuman. I'm like, no. She, it, just take it for- I love you, JB. <laughs> no. She's a mutant. Be fine with it. It's okay. Well, because you run into that element of, of how close to the comic does a show have to follow? You know what I mean? Um, and- you're just never going to get it to be a true one for one. Right. For like, so for me of all the Harry Potter movies, movie th three is the best one prisoner of Azkaban, but there's some stuff left out of the book. That's like, 
okay, you actually made up for it pretty well, you know, but it's just, it's just not there and you can't do it. Um, I think to kill a mockingbird is one that's usually brought up of like a movie that does pretty good job of following the book. The Lord of the Rings trilogy did a fairly good job following the book, um, or the books, you know, and not the Hobbit trilogy, but the, the Lord of the Rings one, um, you know, with some changes, but for the most part, it follows, and, and, and all that to say is like, you just can't, you, you know what I mean? Do that. It's a reason it's called adaptation. <laughs> do that one for one. Uh, and so, so in that sense, I'm okay with, with that on that, that idea of mutation and, and just say, this is the way we're going to go with mutants. The thing that I like, and I, I think you can back me up on this because you have a little bit more of the comic book knowledge. And I'm going to do, I think I remember linking an article that said this as well early on in the season. So I'll make sure to find that and relink it. But if I'm not mistaken, the history with Kamala Khan is originally the intent was to create an X-Men character. But the studio heads at the time was really pushing in humans because they didn't have the rights to the X-Men. That's why they were kind of like, even in the comic side of things, they were fading out because it was seen as basically advertisements for movies that they weren't able to make. So they were really pushing in humans. And, you know, we got originally it was supposed to be an Inhumans movie. Or then it became a, a Marvel television project that was not great. And so to bring that back to the creation of, of Kamala Khan, it wasn't the original intent to be an Inhuman. So I like how this roundabout way it comes back to what it was originally supposed to be. And it's just, it's kind of like a, a little fun meta story along with it within the, the MCU itself. It's, I feel like you had more to say here. So I'll, I'll say this and throw it back to you. If the X-Men is a direction we know the MCU is going, we've been seeing multiple pop-ups of this anti-superhero sentiment. It's very fitting that that was echoes of that here with Kamala and she turns out to be an X-Men mutant as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, so you, you brought up the distinction of saying you did this in our name. It's not going to surprise me when then at some point we see Deavers as a part of a completely different group going after mutants. Think like from the, the X-Men movies, William Stryker, you know, um, and you could easily see that tech turning into eventually the sentinels or, or things like that eventually like i'm i'm you know we have you know tap the brakes there marvel but you know it's so funny like <laughs> x-men coming, X-Men coming down like tap the brakes um all right i got my confirmation <laughs> i got it okay good now do it right uh but you're right like they, they've been laying that foundation laying the kind of laying that that tread and that found that that uh that groundwork and that's kind of the mutant story, you know, like that's not kind of, it just is. So, yeah. So I, I think, you're, I think you're totally right on that, you know, and, and you have this opportunity now, I feel like you have this opportunity to give us, let's say the original team, you know, or something like it, maybe, I don't know. Cause Wolverine, It'd be hard to push off and not have Wolverine up front as, as popular as he is, but get to see them actually as kids growing up. Cause anytime we've actually gotten Cyclops, well, except for not first class, I think Cyclops showed up in 
was it Apocalypse? Was it? I believe yeah. so. I'm fuzzy on that yeah, one. Yeah, and and then again after that in the Dark Phoenix, which I didn't see, um, or Phoenix or what whatever. Um, but, but you you get. Well, no, he was in Days of Future Past, Cyclops as kids. Now the only again I'm only bringing that up is because like you could I could easily see now Kamala's young. We're just now finding out about mutants. Is that the track they're going to take? They're building up the mutants. We're going to start seeing younger kids, um, you know, grow into this. The thing, this plays off that a little bit. The thing that I'm curious about is this is the second time. And I know that sounds funny saying Kamala's the first uh, mutant in the MCU. First mutant in the MCU of this universe. Because we already know in Multiverse of Madness, we had Professor Xavier come in. And it's interesting to me that in that depiction and in this depiction, the 97 X-Men theme song is used. And I'm wondering with the upcoming continuation of the X-Men 97 cartoon on Disney Plus, if that's not going to be more closely tied to what the MCU is doing than we mm-hmm. think. Oh, yeah. Because did, even, did, did the X-Men movies ever use that no. music? No. There's got to be intentionality there. No. Oh, oh, 100% intentionality there. But but yeah, the the well, I would say in both directions of them not using that music and Brian Singer wanting to separate himself from the comics. Um <laughs> and you know, that that theme song is just associated with the X-Men. It's iconic. Oh, yeah. It only took 6 series, but man, the X-Men are coming finally. <laughs> finally came to I know, fruition. right? I'm pumped. I love it. <laughs> Like, yeah. Uh, like, and again, even if you didn't have that, let's say we end, we don't go to two weeks later, and we go into credits, and we have the end credit scene. I'm still ecstatic about this series and how they wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was oh, yeah. like an icing that, on the cake. Perfect way to put it. I didn't need. In fact, whenever because the way they do it is they fade up into that logo, uh, the Miss Marvel logo with the hard light forming into it, and I was already like, "This show's perfect." And then we got the two big moments. Which did we want to go ahead and just talk about the intag while we're here? Why not? Why not? Yeah, and oh, uh, let me rephrase: the best intag that the MCU has had ever, not because of it being Brie Larson, who I love and I'm glad to see, but it was the first one to recognize this is not part of the story, but this is teasing what's coming up next. And yep. I am, I'm in love with it. <laughs> this show, this show had everything. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, and I was even worried too, cause I texted you. I was so bummed whenever you see, cause again, I, I know people who are listening have seen it, but whenever they had Captain Marvel show up in the room, I was so bummed because it's like, okay, we just spent this entire series of Kamala learning to love who she is and be okay with who she is. I don't want to see this brought up where now she's seeing herself as as uh, Carol Danvers. But once it became clear to me, it's like, oh no, they swap places. That is such an enticing hook for the Marvels. And God, now I'm just, I know I'm just gushing here. But to me, that hook is more exciting than the hook we got from WandaVision to Doctor Strange because we spent this learning who this character is and knowing that they're still learning their powers and they swap places with someone who is familiar with their powers. I can only imagine 
the situation that Kamala is in and now being thrown into the deep end trying to figure it out. Oh, yeah. So that I was actually confused. Well, no, let me rephrase that. I wasn't confused. And then as I start seeing things and hearing things and other people's interpretations, then I'm like, that's where I got confused. And this is where, you know, we'll throw JB out there again where it's like, like, no, you're following the comic. But but you're right. It was bad to follow the comic. Um, now, for those who haven't read the comic, when in the comic, Kamala Khan, the Inhuman, has her powers activated, she looks like Miss Marvel. And the reason why I say Miss Marvel, um, Carol Danvers, but it's the the costume outfit that Carol wore when went when she went by Miss Marvel before going by Captain Marvel. And it was kind of this or part of this shape shifting ability that that why she started out that way and then, you know, became Miss Marvel um or taking that on after meeting Carol Danvers and, and going to what she what she looked like now in terms of outfit costume or whatever. And so when I first saw it, my thought was that's what they did. You know, and this is something new that she was just discovering about his power about her powers that she hadn't discovered yet. Um and then later I hear some others like that was saying it was a switch. Um and then there's been confirmation that no that that is Carol Danvers. Um, and I'm glad because saying from what you just said, uh, you know, don't retread that, you know, um, she had the growth. Don't retread that growth It'll grow on something else. So I'm, I'm completely with you on that. And I think that's a good way to follow the comic kind of, but not. It's a yeah. good nod. Yeah. Oh man. My, my excitement for the Marvels has skyrocketed. I'm I so know. excited. I know. <laughs> and. Is Brie Larson the biggest drop we've seen in the MCU? Wait, the MCU or the Disney Plus shows? I'm sorry, in the Disney Plus shows. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, <laughs> Just for content, it's been a long week. <laughs> maybe. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's hyper, not hyperbole, but it's 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 uh, recency bias on my part. Because Jonathan Majors and getting a taste of Kang. But he had already done... Well, no, that my arguments because Brie Larson did community. So never mind. I, for whatever reason, I forgot Brie Larson had already done TV. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay. When, when you mean drop, are you talking about just continuity coming from movie to dis- to the shows, Disney Plus shows, or do you mean like like big name or a big impacting, you know, a big revelation that's going to impact the entire MCU? Big name coming to so like, like big actor, big name. actor name, movie moving down. Yes, right. first one. I mean, right. it, I mean, part of me wants to say, well, no, Sam and Sam and Bucky and Rhodey did show up, but none of them were carrying franchises. Right. So, yeah, I became what I hated because I remember the day that Disney Plus was announced. And we were going to get these shows. I remember texting you like, I hate the wording of this because they're like talking about how they're going to have the secondary characters be the the stars of these shows. And I'm right back to using the exact same language. It's like, well, these are characters that were in the MCU, but they weren't the primary characters. They are now after their Disney Plus shows. But it feels like I think the, the nicest way that you've put it is like carrying a franchise 
Brie Larson as Captain Marvel feels like the biggest one off the top of my mm-hmm. head. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a bit of a uh, a longer, most important topic, but I'm glad we went ahead and, and discussed those two things at the end because they're they're definitely big MCU altering scenes moving mm-hmm. forward. But the last important topic we're going to move into is simply titled Miss Marvel. And this is going to allow us to really zone in on all the sentimental family moments that are peppered in throughout this show, as well as the conversation on the rooftop with Kamala's father as we discover the meaning of Kamala. Starting with me, I, I think the thing that I think the first impression I had when I texted you outside of this is on par with Shang-Chi for me is I was so moved by it being Kamala's mother the one who gives her the mm-hmm. suit because I even talked about it last week. I was being all fuddy. He's like, all right, if you want to get nitpicky, who's going to give her the suit? Bruno's, you know, been busy. Where's he going to get that? But to tie it to what we talked about in episode one of both of these characters needing to find some reconciliation between each other and having that here where Kamala's mother recognizes these things that create who Kamala is and still having the family side of it as well, and Kamala not rejecting that and just being moved by it, is that character growth of the entire work of the season. And and it, this is not just blue. The camera pulls back, and they're in that doorway frame mm-hmm. again. And I was just, like, so happy. I think I clapped. As, as goofy as that sounds, I was like, yes! Like, it made well, me so well, happy. That's what, I was, that's what I was meaning about, like, the tying together that theme of family of, like... No, we're going to sit down with the family, and I'm going to announce to the family officially that I am hard light, night light, mm-hmm. light bright. <laughs> that scene is so good because when you think about it, Kamala's problem is not that her family was was like against superheroes because in that scene you see. They're all excited about it and they want to know about it and they think it's so cool and they're proud of Kamala for having those hero powers. The issue was the secrecy and the not being honest with her family. So to have not only that moment where she's finally being honest with the family and they're acknowledging it, but she ends up being honest with Nakia, that all ties into that moment where Muniba comes around and says, yeah, we trust her, right? She is the one spearheading it. So they have both reached this conclusion together in a satisfying place. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love just the connection. Not just that, but um the name, how she gets Miss Marvel, you know. It's not something well like Iron Man gets the name from the media. You know, think back to Iron Man 1, you know, and and you think about how people get they get these names, they kind of name themselves or or given the name, but to kind of to to have it come from her dad and to wrap up that story, the Miss Marvel was is great. There is an element where in the back of my mind I'm like, that doesn't kind of go slightly against the whole secret identity thing. You know, if like you're literally gonna be Miss Marvel, Miss Kamala. Um but <laughs> <laughs> but I I lo- I I loved it. I it was just such a wonderful moment because in the because in the suit, I mean I mean think about it, right? Like, like kid to parent, right? Like the, you know, mom gives me the suit. I get approved. I, I get the blessing from mom and the mom, you know, and, and it's, and Kamala's mom has been 
and they worked through to the series their their relationship, but protective, you know. And then to go this far and to be, you have my blessing to do this. And then with, you know, her dad, which is, which is really interesting because because from a a from from very from a lot of different lenses, this you know approval that we want or seek from our fathers, you know. And this, the idea of names that gets associated with identity, you know, and where names come from and the meanings they have and why we get those for for various reasons. Um, you know, so to have it, you know, attached to family in that way is just, that was, that was amazing for me. What also makes it special is, again, something we highlighted back in episode one. It's not that Kamala's ashamed of her family or that she doesn't want to learn that family history. She didn't know how to convey emotionally, like the emotional maturity. She didn't know how to convey, this has to be my choice. This is something that I want to figure out. Instead, she has the outlash and, and makes him cry in the Hulk costume. But here, the most important thing Whenever he's doing the drum roll, he's like, and introduce, I'm paraphrasing here, I can't remember the exact word, but the new superhero in town is called, and he's like giving her that moment. She goes, I'm still figuring that out. And that, that's the emotional maturity. Like, that's what we've been trying to get to that we just spent six episodes learning to. And the fact that he responds, yeah, we're all still figuring it out. So it's not just that Kamala was the one who was learning all of them in a way learned from that experience. And it just as tightly woven as that family is to Kamala. I don't know if there's a better way they could have ended that theme together, especially because that scene mirrors what we saw last week where Kamala takes off, but we stay focused on the dad watching in amazement where he just simply says magic. So both parents got to marvel at their kid as they flourished and stepped into their own on that hard light. And I was just like bawling. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like, that's the, you know, I mean, that's what the, the dream of the parent, right. To, to help your kid figure out who they are. Um, and the struggle of the parent of letting them be who they are and not trying to make them be who you want them to be. And, reconciling that and allowing that of yourself and of them to happen and say, here, go, go be you. And, and, and with the, with, with their blessing. And it's, you know, and so, so to, to have that story and tie it all together like that, it was just so well done. I forgot who I was telling this to. It was like, this is a, this is a show that you can get a lot out of it by, Watching it week to week or binging it. And I think it works yeah. either way. That, I like that. I didn't think about it in that terms, but it really is. I mean, it's just so rewatchable. <laughs> it really, really is. I, I, I think I already put it out there, but I, I, it was the first reaction I had to you. This Of everything that's happened in phase four, this is neck and neck with Shang-Chi for me. It is just from start to finish. It is... 
it sticks the landing with the resounding finish in a way that I have not felt any of the other Disney Plus series. And I, I, part of what I've been trying to do this entire episode is just not devolve into like how this is, show was so good and focus on this episode. But it is a culmination of all the work. And uh, mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, unless there's any more, I think we might be able to move into our final yeah, thoughts. Yeah, you know what? Let's do, let's do final thoughts because I'm... I, there is more, but at the same time, we have a wrap up episode. That and I was gonna say that finales are always hard for us, not only because oftentimes they are the more action oriented stuff, which is hard to talk about beyond this was cool, <laughs> and then also knowing we're gonna dive into it with more time to process next week. Uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely have more to say. Uh, but we'll go ahead and get into final thoughts which is a place for us to have any stray thoughts, predictions, or things to consider maybe going into the Marvels. So, Jude, what are your final thoughts for this episode? The, the last thing you said, things to consider going into the Marvels. Um, I think the thing that I'm worried about, maybe, I want to make sure I manage my expectations. Ex- I want to make sure I manage my expectations. X-Men petitions. Yeah. Uh, for the Marvels <laughs> is... The Marvels is the sequel to Captain Marvel. So it's it's pretty large and Carol Danvers movie. But there's a part of me that I'm like, I can't wait to see Monica Rambeau and Miss Marvel and, and Kamala Khan again. And knowing that it is Carol Danvers movie, as it should be, there's part of me that it's like, okay, I'm going to have to make sure I temper my expectations and let it be... Carol Danvers movie rather than be like, no, I want more Kamala Khan, you know, kind of thing. Cause I like as much as I think of like Yelena, I loved Yelena and I'm like, as much as we got Yelena and Hawkeye, I was like, no, I, I need more, you know? Um, and I need more Bishop. Where's Kate Bishop again? And so there's this, this excitement of the new characters. And so it's, it's like just making sure that I let that happen, you know? And, and I think that the reason why I feel that way was, Going back to WandaVision, how much I did enjoy the character of Monica and Rambeau, but also how much I love this series and the excitement to see Kamala Khan again. It's going to be because there's always these talks about like, how important are the Disney Plus shows to the movies? And, you know, is it hurting or or helping and vice versa? I think we've kind of stumbled in on a, 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 at least for me, a more interesting question that. And it's a bit of a lead up to it. I'll never forget when I blew your mind talking about the Marvels, when I said, by the time we get there, there is a good chance that we will have spent more time with Monica Rambeau and Kamala Khan than we have Brie Larson at this point. Just pure runtime. I don't think that's true for Monica Rambeau, but it's definitely true of Kamala Khan. And it's interesting to me that it's interesting to me how these movies are going to handle connecting to the Disney Plus shows when the characters there will have more runtime. How do you keep that from being like, oh, this is the Kamala Khan show when this originally was supposed to be a sequel to uh, Captain Marvel? So something interesting. I'm, I'm, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind going to the Marvels. A bit more on the meta side, but I, I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. that up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, six hours of Miss Marvel? Yeah, I think we've had Kamala Khan more runtime than Carol Danvers. Because mm-hmm. it was only one two-hour-ish movie yeah. and a handful of yeah. scenes in Endgame. Yeah. I wish this is where like I'm going to wait for Reddit <laughs> to put together an infographic because I'm sure it's coming at some oh, point. Yeah, someone's going to do uh, that. It, oh, yeah. Uh, 
You know, on my... No, no, no. I was just going to say, absolutely. That's going to happen. My final thought actually ties into yours in a way that I wasn't expecting. Uh, it's hard. To, it's always hard to have final thoughts when it's the finale because it's, it's, that's it. We've <laughs> said all we need to say. But I was thinking we loved the visual representation of what was happening in Kamala's head, how she sees the world, how she thinks, and how that is conveyed. Another character, and it, it's a completely different way, so I'm not trying to equate ADHD to this, but a character who shares that trait of having interesting visual depictions is Deadpool. And one of the questions that everybody always brings up is like, well, how are you going to bring him into the MCU? Because in his movie, he breaks the fourth wall. But if he, say, joins an Avengers movie, is he going to be breaking the fourth wall? Because it's not his movie. I'm curious how that will be handled for Kamala in the Marvels, whether or not we'll see any of those visual depictions or not. Oh, I hope so. How do you convey that when it is not her POV? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It's something I want, but would it fit with, like, you get what I mean? Like, obviously, Miss Marvel, this was her point of view. If it's a shared point of view, how do you still fit that in without being jarring? I don't know. That's a good question. That is a good question. Yeah. So, got me thinking about Deadpool and the the Marvel show coming up. Hmm. That's tough. Okay. (laughs) We'll, We'll know soon enough. But, you know, like we said... We are going to have a wrap-up episode next week where we're going to dive into the series as a whole. And one of the things that I wanted to try leading into this that we haven't done before is leaving you listening with a question that we will be discussing next week. So if you were in charge of giving Miss Marvel this first season one or two more episodes, which storylines would you like to see fleshed out in those episodes? So we're going to, we're going to think about that for a week and we'll come back and discuss that. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to reach out, you can always reach us at MC Need to Know, both on Twitter and Instagram. It's a great place to connect with us, answer the question, as well as share your thoughts about this episode. And of course, if you want to join a larger community, you can join the Discord where there is a group of people as invested in the MCU as we are. Or even, you know, something we've been trying to kick around is potentially doing live listen-alongs on premiere days of our episodes. Uh... That is where you want to be so that we can stream that and listen to the episodes together. And, you know, we've been doing game nights as well. So there, there's, there's definitely a larger community to take part in. And, of course, the biggest thing you can do for us in building this community, rating and reviews, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your, wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on the SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. Well, the the rumor was that that I saw was that uh, Marvel Studios was courting Steven Spielberg to direct the Fantastic Four. Oh wow! Yeah. Now that and, and I only bring that up because I what you're saying again with the Chrysalis. That's also a good way to distinguish what Kamala does versus Reed Richards, knowing that they're coming. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Finish. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 
and tried to finish your thought. <laughs> well, initially my thought was finished and then I added to it. So, okay. I know. But, okay. <laughs> and what's weird is with these, ear- with, these weird with these earbuds in, as much as I like the fried halloumi, there is a little bit of a rubbery texture. And so you hear mm-hmm. like in with my earbuds plugged, you almost hear like that weird squishy, like I'm chewing on rubber. <laughs> Anyways, I don't even remember what I said. Oh, <sighs> all I can say, uh, which, which we know the Fantastic Four are coming. Right. <laughs> that's just, that's such a small little add on. <laughs> oh man. I'm, 